Hello, my name's Luke Mitchell. Welcome to Founder Chats with Be Purple, the University of Brighton's entrepreneurship support service. In this series, we interview business owners, many of them graduates of the university, most of them in the first years of their ventures, to find out what are the secrets of their success so far. How did they get started? What challenges have they faced? And how did they overcome them? What advice and inspiration can they offer to others looking to go it alone? In this first episode, I speak to Dan Woodger. Dan is a London-based illustrator and animator, and he's a rising star of the design world. His work has been featured in GQ, the New York Times, the Sunday Times and Vice, to name just a few. But glamorous clients haven't always come easy to Dan. In this interview, he reveals exactly what he did to find success. You'll discover the projects that kickstarted his career and the qualities that he feels you need to grow a sustainable freelance career in illustration and design. This is a must listen if you're looking to go freelance in the creative arts. Dan was very generous with his insights and happy to be very candid about the inside world of clients and agencies and the creative industry. Founder chats are recorded over coffee and most likely in a cafe or a public space, so do get used to the background noise, the sounds of the customers, the espresso machines. And this particular episode was recorded in Woody's Bar and Kitchen, a friendly little eatery on the River Thames in Kingston. I think you've got a very unique style. I'm sure, like really successful illustrators, do have very distinctive styles. Where's that style come from? How would you describe it? Oh, thanks very much. Um, I grew up watching cartoons like all day. That was how I spent summer holidays when I was a kid. Stack of paper, and pens, and just watching Nickelodeon or The Simpsons. And you can you can see those influences in the work. I, I don't hide away from that. But where I've taken it, I feel like where I've taken it. Over my sort of professional career and taking those influences and just honing it into my own style, I'm I'm, I'm not totally sure. I, I I found a little gap. There's fantastic character illustrators out there. Um, I think the way that I work certainly helps determine uh, a difference between um, certain character illustrators and myself. So I think there's two ways that some character illustrators go, there's this, uh, pen and ink illustrators and then there's vector illustrators and I think my style fits somewhere in the middle, it's, it's, it's sort of digital and sort of hand drawn and I, it's the way that I, I make the, the work in, in Photoshop and I use a Wacom tablet to, to create the work and when drawing the lines rather than fully relying on digital techniques to hold straight lines or um, perfect circles. I take a mixture of that, so occasionally I'll do a perfect straight line, but mix that with uh, a slight wobble, which I feel like makes my work fit somewhere in the middle between that that hand-drawn aspect and the digital work. And um, colouring in Photoshop, I've found a palette that I go back to, which I feel uh, reusing those same colours over and over again helps cement that it's mine so I think that's where I've managed to sort of work a little niche for myself um, but it's um, yeah it's constantly uh, trying to um, I don't know like my, my style has evolved over time as well so 
when I first graduated to now, which was six years in, it's you hold up the work that I was doing just to graduate and now. It, you can see it's very different, but that's just, um, I think it's influences over time. Um, when I when I first graduated, I was very influenced by lots of lots of 80s pop culture. I, 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 I've used more pinks and greens and and I'm actually looking at a Vice City poster behind me in this cafe and um, I that was my weird obsession when I was a, when I was about 14 I I played that Grand Theft Auto game pretty much every day and I had no not for the violence <laughs> the car theft but the uh, like the, I, it was my first uh, introduction to so much of this 80s pop culture that I had never known about. I didn't even really know. It was almost like I was getting all of this first-hand rather than second-hand. I realised the game is a knockoff of, of Miami Vice and Scarface, but when I played it, I had never seen those. So it was my introduction to all this stuff. And um, you, during my time at university, I, I kept digging down that well of 80s culture and was watching movies and TV shows. And my tutor, Roderick, Mills at Brighton in the third year he kept pushing telling me to push further so I bought Miami Vice on DVD and was watching things like that and became obsessed with that um, that influence in my work so I tried to bend my work to, to, to feel slightly like that like almost like a, a, a retro feel to it and then now I'm kind of a little bit further back I actually quite like a lot of 70s aesthetics so I've been looking at a lot of 70s packaging for bubblegum and a lot of Americana like influences um, starting to bring in more browns and yellows and, and, and ready oranges and things into my work and playing around with um, a little more like typo typo typography of that era as well so I, it's, it's constantly moving with where my where my sort of inspirations move I, th I guess over time but um, so all the, I kind of hold what is what is me it essentially comes down to the way I draw eyes and faces I think and the humour I add in the work is very me but the the vessel for carrying that will I think forever adapt I think I, I think five years time it might be totally different to what I'm doing now so I'm interested to see where it goes and I find maybe I'm I like that it's constantly moving and changing I feel like I'm freshening things up all the time rather than staying to the same routine I think I like the variety of like trying new things all the time so yeah, it's, it's not, each work isn't immediately different from the next, but just gradually over time, I think it starts to change. Okay. Be interesting to hear a bit about how it works with clients in, in your business. Um, do they send you briefs? Tell us about some of the, the jobs that you've worked on. Yeah, um, well, it varies. So I do a lot of editorial work for magazines. Um, I do quite a bit for GQ in the US, Runners World. Uh, New York Times and those jobs are uh, really quick and, and very very fast paced so the brief will come in um, usually it's we've got the story come in sometimes they just let me read the story and then come up with my own idea which is usually quite fun um, or other times art directors will say oh we've got this idea that we would like you to do for the story so from that point, I then come up with a quick sketch. Um, I like to give a couple of options, but depending on deadlines and timings and what else I've got going on, being a freelancer, you quite often mul working on multiple jobs at once, so it depends on each job. But I try to provide two or three options for, for ideas, and then they would pick one, which would then send back to me, and then I'd work up into colour. Um, and usually the turnaround on those kind of jobs is uh, New York Times is a day, 
uh, I've got a funny story about on my birthday last year I went to Thor Park with my girlfriend for the day I, like, I was taking full advantage of being a freelancer I was like yo I'm just going to go to Thor Park on a, on a Monday and then sure enough I was stood in the queue for a ride and hi would you want to do this job for the New York Times and I very rarely turned down work and it was a nice huge full page spread and I it was by an article by Owen Jones who I really like as a journalist so and I'd never sort of done anything even to have my work associated with his writing I was like yes yes I really want to do that so I replied and said yes I can take this on went on the ride came back said okay cool <laughs> and then uh, basically found a member of staff at Thorpe Park to let me borrow her pen and a bit of paper sketched out an idea on a picnic bench used my phone to send it over to the art director then went on a few more rides until I got sign off then drove home and then finished the work in the evening and got it sent over about 11. So very weird birthday, but uh, that is like the nature of freelancing, I guess. And I'm, a, I'm, I can't say no. So even if it's my birthday, I'll take it on, which is, I don't know what that says about me. But um, that kind of, that, those, that New York Times are the fastest turnarounds that I have. There's GQ or something, and that is usually uh, a week and a half, two weeks. And then, the other jobs, more advertising-based or digital content-based, which um, would be for bigger brands like maybe um, uh, McDonald's. I've done some work for, which I did a, a tray mat illustration for McDonald's Japan last summer, and that was to do uh, a really detailed crowd scene, sort of like Where's Wally, like lots of characters densely packed in, and that was. Um, a month I think so still not a huge amount of time but considering that Martin Hanford the, the illustrator for Where's Wally would take six months to do one doing one in one month it's pretty crazy but um, that is how I, I think I've managed to make um, some level of success from what I do is just by being able to deliver and you know I can try and push back on deadlines but usually I will try and meet them which I think makes me seem reliable and more inclined to come back as well um, but back to the question those kind of jobs yeah usually have a, um, a month two months turnaround I mean it depends on the job um, I did uh, an emoji project as well this was one of my first big projects and that was for a company called Line um, their uh, social media app that's based in Asia. Um, I think they I think they were founded in Korea, but they're the number one app. They're essentially like Facebook and WhatsApp rolled into one, um, and they're the number one app in Japan, Korea, Taiwan, and uh, it's strange because I would never have known who they were when they first came to me. I didn't understand what they were asking for. But basically, they asked for a thousand emojis to be designed in my style. Um, to, cr to create an emoji library that they were building for the app and that is by far the craziest job that I've ever worked on they asked for a thousand emoji designs in ten weeks so I was doing a hundred emojis a week and I was the reason that I mean I think if I was to take it on now with a little bit more experience I would have tried to push the deadline a little bit I would have said that's crazy <laughs> like I can't do that amount of work but at that time I was about two years into freelancing full-time and it was the first big job it paid well enough for me to not constantly look over about how I was going to look over my shoulder for how I was going to pay rent uh, pay bills it would allow me to for the first time be comfortable a little more comfortable 
and uh, yeah, just give me a little bit more freedom to, to not have to worry all the time about where my next paycheck was coming from. Um, so the reason I just said flat out yes was pretty much the, the money I wanted to be paid. <laughs> um, so um, took it on and I was working, I think I was working 7am till midnight every single day, seven days a week. I was working at home at this time and I was just sat at my corner desk in my one bed flat. My girlfriend would go to work, she'd say goodbye, I'd be sat there, she'd come home, I'd be sat there. I uh, ana- analogised it as being, is that the right word? A metaphor, the best metaphor for it was me as a plant. I was just sat there and she came home and watered and fed me, like we had dinner and then I'd go back to work and I thought about a stone during the during the three months. Um, I saw the seasons change from like winter to spring out my window. Um, yeah, I warped my middle finger where I was resting my pen on it constantly so that my middle nail, it's not so bad now, but it was flattened on one edge. Uh, it was crazy, but um, the project and the hard work paid off because that job was so successful. Um, not only was, I'm, I'm still seeing the benefits now, uh, that was 2014, I think, so four years later, I'm still finding work from it. Um, so the emojis were default on the app, and uh, so you, the way that we would use emojis now where we use smiley faces when they're using the emojis online, if they type in the word happy, one of my emojis pops up as like a suggestion. So um, that not only built up recognition of my work in Asia, but then I took the project that I had finished and then showed it around to design blogs. I was like, I've worked so hard on this. I think this is quite a good project. Would you be interested in featuring it? So I reached out to It's Nice That and a few other design blogs. And It's Nice That uh, said they loved it and they wanted to feature it. And from that, oh my God, that, that just things just went a bit mad after that. Uh, it turned out to be the second most read article for all of 2014, I think, on It's Nice That's website. Um, it then led into me doing emoji work for Pepsi, for the video game Fallout 4, um, oh, all kinds of emoji-related projects. And then, the, weirdly, the, the success from the feature on It's Nice That led to lots of work in Western brands because Line isn't really popular in, in Western countries, but it's very popular in Asia. So for two, three years, I was getting a lot of work based on the Line project through the coverage, not necessarily the usage. And then weirdly in the background in Asia, because it's being used all the time, people are becoming more and more familiar with the designs and slowly people start to work out who I am. So then fast forward to 27, last year, 2017, um, that's how I got the McDonald's Japan job that I spoke about earlier. And then I then got another job for Samsung Taiwan because it's the number one app in Taiwan. And so I visited Taiwan last year to do a big project for Samsung. And then now I'm currently working on a job for Pepsi again, but this time in Japan through the knowledge of the through the, the people knowing the recognition of the emoji. So very weird how these things worked out. But going back to the beginning of working on that project, all of those hard work, late nights, early mornings, working myself yeah to, to, to the maximum I could possibly do did pay off I'm not sure I'd do it again that way but like when I was starting out for like a one-time thing to get a boost that definitely worked mm-hmm. so that was the project that really sort of snowballed your career from sort of grad so that was about two years after graduation was it? yes yeah. Yeah. so from graduation and up until that point what what was going through your mind? What were your, you know, what was your working life like? What challenges did you face in those yeah. earlier days? Um, it was really difficult. I worked so hard at university to finish my 
degree and like put up my degree show and I think that's all you focus on towards the end of university is like getting this finished and all the backup work that's got to be done to get your, your final grade and to get the final project done and then once that momentum is over of building up to that it's such a reality check it's I need to stop using that but the, I, I, I kind of said it was like being shot out of a cannon or, or being pushed off a cliff because you just you are constantly walking up to that ledge and then it's just like it's, you, you, you're off it and you're out there trying to do it all for yourself now you've got you're not going back to university next year you're not you've not got anything else it's everything is in front of you and you have to determine how you do that so it was tough but uh, the first thing I did I, I moved back home um, I spent about a month living on the sofa I didn't have a I didn't have a spare room at my parents at the time there was a spare room but it had a load of clutter in it and two brothers having like we had just drum kits and all kind of stuff in there so um, I was sleeping on the sofa and I realised that I just I needed to get myself in I don't know um, dust myself down and right okay here we go again so I cleared out that whole room I, I took things down the tip I got rid of everything I made it immaculately clean um, I set up a desk in there I nicked my dad's office chair he's usually out on the building site so he didn't he only needed it in the evenings so I, I pinched that anyway um, and set up a little office for myself um, I had a small little laptop at the time and was just working off of that and I had a part-time job still I, whilst I was studying I worked in England at home in Brighton a little gift shop in uh, on Ship Street and I kept that job on at weekends so I would travel I'd drive down to Brighton on a Saturday and work my two days stay down there for the night work my two days and come back and then Monday to Friday I would work nine to five at my desk even though I had nothing on I had no work I um, had no leads but I was what I would do I would sit there I would um, I would google art directors I would look on Twitter um, Instagram trying to find art directors companies agencies trying to find anyone that would look at my portfolio look at my work um, talent agencies for illustration and um, then I was also making work so although I had no client work I was making personal work and so I would constantly give updates online so at times it felt like I was shouting to nobody but just shouting out here's a new illustration I've done today or there's this I've been working on um, and then I had this idea of doing a print so I designed, I do lots of very detailed character work, so I just I thought that was the best way to showcase myself. Um, I had to work within my limitations, so I only had, I had an uh, a A3 inkjet printer, so I knew that I wasn't gonna be able to be able to afford to print off loads and loads of copies of a really beautifully well-made print, so I stripped it back, I made it just line work. Um, I then printed, I got some nice paper, like it was a pad of A3 cartridge, A3 paper, but it had a nice kind of texture to it so it looked like it was high quality basically ran this this print that I'd done this huge character scene off on that with and then printed my CV on the back with all my details like my uh, the programs I could use a little bit about myself where I'd studied all of that kind of stuff um, and then I ordered some little uh, plastic wallets off of Amazon to, to fold down my A3 print into A5 uh, bought some envelopes 
and basically then just advertise the print as free. So on Twitter I said it's free, all you've got to do is send me your postal address. Um, I then tried to get in touch with many of those art directors I had researched, find out their addresses, or just send a letter with this print in it to the art director of The Guardian, to the art director of The Times, and just trying to send my work out there. I figured that it was better for them to have something physical on their desk that they had to actually make a constant decision to throw away, rather than an email with my work in that they could just ignore. So uh, that was my thinking. Um, okay. It started off with um, a lot of people like myself, uh, graduates or illustrators trying to make a go of it, wanting something for free. Everyone loves free stuff, so uh, there's a lot of, I'd like one of those, and sending out a lot of free things to people who just wanted one. But then slowly over time, uh, I noticed that the signatures on a few of the bottom of these emails, I had one from Nike and I had one from uh, Wyden and Kennedy, the ad agency. So although like it, I, paying for stamps and paying for books was, was, was coming out of my pocket and the money I was earning at the weekend gave me a bit of purpose. Like I got up and had something to do. Getting an email in felt like someone's paying attention to my work. and. Um, so they would just reply back and say thanks for yeah thanks. yeah okay. pretty much yeah yeah I'd, I'd, I'd take their address and send it out to them and then they'd say oh thanks so much or they would do a little tweet about it with a photograph of like the the work and say oh just a damage print just arrived like thank you so much um, just check out his work so just building up a little bit of word of mouth and then YCN the um, creative agency in in London they got in touch and they said oh we really like poster we've liked your graduate show would you be interested in oh, they, they, they said oh um, if you've got anything basically they just kind of reached out uh, half a hand and said oh if, you, if you're swinging by this way pop in so I said back oh do you do I'd be interested in doing an internship or something with you if you've got it and they said yeah yeah we do an illustration internship so uh, signed up for that which was November of 2011 so about three four months after I graduated and um, yeah I interned there for for a um, it turned out to be two months in the end. I did one month and then they asked me to stay on for another month, which was nice. And I just did everything. I made tea, I made coffee, I ran to the post office. I did everything with like 100% enthusiasm. Uh, I probably like wasn't the most, I didn't probably seem like the most chilled out guy. Like I was pretty like energetic and maybe a bit too keen at times, but I just wanted to show that I was willing. I didn't want to... I didn't want to try and play it cool and like try and save some dignity. I just like threw myself in. So I think they noticed that, and after the two months, they my my style fortunately fell into a little gap that they had on their roster. They did represent illustrators. So after the two months of that, they said, "Oh, we quite like your style. Would you like to join the roster here at YCN and be an illustrator that we represent?" So. Yeah, after that sort of two months of running around making teas and coffees and doing whatever they asked me to, it paid off. And yeah, after that they offered to represent me. And then from January 20, 2012, that's when I went full-time freelance for the first time. So I quit going down to Brighton every weekend and set out on my own. And yeah, it was um, slow going at first. Um, uh, I knew that that was what it was going to be like. Any job that did come in, I would basically hoard that money and make sure that I had enough. And my parents let me stay at home for a year, so I was able to save up a little bit and not have to worry about rent for the first year, which I thank them for, um, you know, very much. Like that, that was definitely necessary. I think um, I would have struggled to make ends meet. I think if I had been freelancing and having to pay rent, it's so tricky in the early goings. Mm. 
Um, and then, yeah, after a year of working on the odd job coming in, magazine job, I got my first big job was for Cadbury. I did some stuff for them in the run-up to the Olympics in 2012. And then, yeah, slowly saved up a bit of money and uh, left home about a year after, a year after, um, yeah, about, about nine, ten months after I went full up, free, freelance full-time. And then, yeah, just slowly built up and then to the line project about a year after that. Okay. Well, since you mentioned money, income-wise, yeah. uh, how do you see it in terms of number of successful illustrators making a good living versus those that are struggling, and what does that look like financially? Yeah, it's, I, I will not lie, it is, it's not easy. Um, I'm constantly kind of pinching myself and making, sh- like, I, I feel very, very fortunate to be in a position that I get to do this as a job. Um, there are so many good illustrators out there, and I've, I, I'm now six years in, and I've seen really good illustrators explode out the blocks out of university, and then for whatever reason, tailor off or work and go into full-time employment, and, and, and then sort of not pick it up as much. And that that could definitely have happened to me. What um, do you think? Some of the reasons might be that that's financial. I think it's it's really tough. The the the, the beginning going. I mean. Uh, Magazine jobs um, pay okay, but you kind of need two or three to, to a month to be able to afford to live, especially London, I would say. You would, and it depends on the size of the job. Small spot illustrations don't pay as much as like a half-page spread or a full-page spread or, or a cover. So you need to be constantly bringing in projects. Right. I would say that to live you'd at least need two three jobs a month to, to I would say to kind of make it financially viable I'm going off on a bit of tangent here because it does it works differently there are strange ones like for instance if a big project comes in like the, the, ad, the advertising agency clients pay much better so you can live for six months off um, off a big project if you manage your finances in the right way so for instance, that line project I mentioned that allowed me to live for a good. I mean, like for a good. I would say that it's equivalent to like a reasonable salary for a year. I say for a, for a graduate. So that 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 did allow me to have yeah much more flexibility. But before that, I was kind of working hand to mouth a little bit. You know, like bringing it, trying to constantly bring in work to pay bills, bring work to pay bills. Um, and it's nervy at times. So I, I think um, to start off with, I think you're, you're going to expect that by like, being a freelancer straight out of university, you will have to, it's inevitable that you will have to go through that, that early wading through that, that minefield of trying to make ends meet and, and trying to find the work to pay the bills. But over time, building up your client base, building up your portfolio, that inevitably ends to people seeing more people seeing your work, more job opportunities coming along, the more you establish yourself. It's, it is that snowball is there any, situation. Ever any risk that you could become overexposed? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm weirdly in that. I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about that a little bit. I wonder like what what would happen if yeah if if you your work is just being seen by too many people, people get sick of it. It's a really weird balance. I don't know what what the solution to that would be. Um, yeah, I don't know. I hopefully one day I'll have that problem. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I still feel like I'm on my. Uh, the, the analogy I best describe it to is it's a bit like a, a Premier League football table. So you've got um, you, you, you really top illustrators uh, like, like John Julien or, or, or Mr. Bingo, who are who are so well known. I would say like nine and a half people out of ten 
in the design industry would know who they are. So, they're, and they're, they're, they command the higher fees. They are super well recognised. So, I would say that they're your, your your top four Champions League places. I think at the moment where I am, I, I sit somewhere between like in the top half, maybe like maybe in the top half, maybe like a, a kind of mid mid to upper table. Like trying to maybe push for Champions League this year. Like, Would you so, like to suggest a particular team? Oh no, I'm a Manchester United fan, so I'm, uh, maybe I'm Man United. Like three, no, 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 I'm not. No, no, no. I, I would say maybe like a, I would have said Everton last year, but they're right. they're not doing so well. I don't know. Like I'm. I'm uh, trying to think I don't know unless you put me on the spot now I want to be like an exciting team <laughs> but with uh, with problems oh, I don't know I guess I guess uh, how are Arsenal doing these days yeah maybe in Arsenal <laughs> yeah maybe in Arsenal I, that, that suggests that I was I was doing well a few years ago <laughs> I don't know it's, um, it's a tricky cool. one I, I suppose like I'm maybe like a more like uh, the Brighton would be a great analogy for, 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 yeah. for like I've just I've made it up into like the the, the the, the higher the top league now and I'm trying to push higher and I'm just trying to for the last few years maybe I've been trying to stay there and right now I'm trying to push a little bit higher so um, how do you think let's if you took all of the illustrators in the UK and from sort of graduation onto like those that are at the sort of end point of their careers mm-hmm. how does it split out in terms of like how successful are the majority of those illustrators in this league where would they fit in do you think or like can you percentage wise split it up or? Oh yeah, okay. Um, well, I guess a lot of them that aren't successful just end up t- turning elsewhere. Yeah, I don't. It's it's a really tough one. It's hard. It's hard for me to say because I I feel like there is an element of luck involved with with anything like this. Um, but I would say that to put it honestly, I reckon that there's probably like seventy percent of graduates who want to be a freelance illustrator end up doing something else in the creative field like there's I know plenty of illustrators who have gone elsewhere and are doing motion work in house or like doing other things in the creative industry but not necessarily doing freelance illustration like working for themselves as a business they they it's it takes a it's it's hard it's hard for me to say because I don't want to blow smoke up my own ass. Like it's uh, but it's a lot of determination and hard work to uh, and, and riding out some rough periods as well. Like that that constantly keeps me up at night when I'm having a, a run of a pro- like of, of, of weeks where I haven't had a big project come in or like a quiet spell mm. and it gets me tossing and turning at night. Like worrying. you just have to get used to living like that. Have to, yeah, yeah. It's it's not. I what totally do you do understand. in those times? Are you on the phone to people? How do you market yourself? I can best describe it. My last year was a perfect talking point for that. So I'm um, after all the emoji work. Initially, there was an explosion of, of interest in what I was doing, and I was taking on all kinds of projects. Some that weren't necessarily quite in the style that we talked about earlier, but it was like people had seen that I'd done emojis, and it's almost a, a bit weird to talk about it now. But there was like that weird explosion like a couple of years ago where like brands were taking on emoji projects, and I got thrown into that because they'd seen the project and it's nice. And so there was quite a lot of work coming in, and it was financially like probably quite good, but in terms of creative, creatively, the the work was starting to maybe not be its best I think like I was taking on a lot of projects that were diverting my attention from what the core of what I do is like if you were to look at my website that's what I do whereas what I was doing in terms of emoji work was doing icon design and like it was slipping away from my style so 
that kind of came to a head, I think, in my opinion, last year. So 2016, um, I noticed that I was just, there was like maybe coinciding with the fact that emojis were like not the flash, uh, they were the, the flash in the pan had gone a little bit and less of that work was coming in. And the work that I pride myself on, my main body of portfolio work, I hadn't been doing as much of because I've been doing this emoji stuff. So towards the end of 2016, I noticed a slowdown in, in projects coming in. And I looked at my work at the end of last year and I realized that probably for the whole of 2016, I hadn't really done a project that I would say, that was my favorite thing I did this year. I had a good year in terms of what I've been paid, but like in terms of creatively. And then that, that ended up making me sort of suffer. And then for the back at the beginning of last year was maybe like one of the slowest beginnings of a year that I've had since I graduated. I, I had projects coming in and enough to get by, but there was nothing exciting coming in. And then a few of the bigger projects that did come in, they fell through. Like there was a project for Google that came in that fell through. There was a project to do a pitch for a cartoon that we got all the way to drafting out the storyboards and the voiceover stuff went to start on that and that was that was going to be my savior for the for the first half of that year I was like, finally like a big like a nicely paid project to ease my worries that fell through on the day we went to start so they think the, the company pulled funding and just all fell through so up until about June last year I was really struggle struggling mentally as well like with it with the with the pressure of like I, I need to be starting to pick up bring in some clients and fees here so what I did was I addressed my issues I was having with my work. I felt like it had gotten a little stale. Um, I felt like I could be pushing a bit harder. I felt that there was areas of my work that I could improve upon. There was, with the you know, kind of uh, the um, massively moving uh, image. Sorry, that's not a very good sentence. So a lot of like print-based work is going online. So all these magazines are basically doing a lot of their articles are being also put on Twitter and Instagram. And so with that comes the image that I'm producing for an, for a magazine of course it's going to be still but for for the, for Twitter and Instagram I realized that it doesn't have to be still so I started to explore with animation and I started like looking at providing clients like GQ they came in for an um, editorial illustration that they asked for and I, I came back to them and said you know what this would work quite well as a gif so we can make it move and then when you put it on Twitter it, it has a little movement to it just like a subtle thing like a like he's like uh, his eyes are moving or like something in that illustration is moving and he loved it and he fortunately that offered to pay a little bit of money for that and then from that I started to try and take these jobs that were illustration based but that make them move and then that started to start to pay off towards the end of last year I was getting more animation work coming in I did a project for Netflix back in the last year that was to do 10 GIFs so it was taking areas of weakness and trying to bolster them and seeing where the potential of more work could come in so trying to like I basically just sat down and made points I'm going to do more animation I want to address my style a little bit I felt like I could freshen it up a little bit so made a few tweaks to color palette and a few little things here and there and then also just invest in personal work I realized that so many people come to me for like what I do not what like they want uh, so like the personal work is very important it gets across who I am and my sense of humor and all the things that I want to include in it whereas the client work at times can be di diluted it can be very like client orientated and take some of those things that make I do out of it you know, that makes sense you know it becomes a little bit more thoughtful so I made sure that I made some really fun stuff. I made some prints. I made a T-shirt run for the summer with a with a company, and just did more of me. And then that paid off. Uh, the McDonald's job came in. Then the Samsung job came in. And then like the back end of last year was probably, I would say maybe the best, the most successful half of a year I've had since I started. So I felt like that that doubling down on efforts got me back on track. Got me back on track. Yeah, and that that was also not necessarily just 
focusing on the work but it doubled my effort so I went in an hour or two earlier I would go in at like, rather than coming in at nine I'd go into the studio at seven I would leave a little bit later I'd work I'd stay up a little later doing bits here and there I was doing more social media posts I was doing more on Instagram just anything I could think of to try and just drum things up a little bit and then yeah I think <laughs> touch wood that that has paid off this time round but yeah that's I think that's really important to keep your eye on what you're doing and don't get, don't, don't get complacent I think it's that it's in a creative industry that's constantly moving I think it's important to keep your eye on that mm -hmm. and where do you see your career your business going what potential is there can you grow yeah I'm, I'm in a nice position that yeah the, the fortunes totally changed in the end of last year and by the end of the year I had so much coming in that I was struggling to manage it all myself so I had um, I had an intern come in for so I had them in for for the last two months of I had two inter what one for November one for December and they came in for um, for for those two months to help me with the workload and would that, that was be helping with the administrative stuff both yeah it was like some was doing helping with the artworking another was like replying to emails and and also things like you kind of you can't you have to spin so many plates for instance there was interviews and things coming in for like magazines or um, for blogs about my work. And you kind of almost have to tend your garden in that. I'm so busy, but I also need to make sure that I'm doing that at the same time because one feeds the other. So if I'm constantly doing work, then I'm not self-promoting. So it's a really delicate balance. So I'm now at that nice little ceiling whereby like, I need to maybe start to push and expand out. And in an ideal world, I think in five years' time, I would love to have a small studio with maybe two, three people helping me simultaneously pitch the new business and new work whilst creating the work and hopefully take like more of a, I mean, I'll never stop illustrating myself, but like more, take more of an art director approach with it where I'm like almost showing, asking people what to, telling people what to do or like showing them, uh, like having art workers in to create the things that I want rather than me doing it all myself. So I think that also goes hand in hand with me um, last year for the first time I, say, I keep going back to this it, it felt like a real a real important moment in, in my career last year to like focus and and realise what my problems were and where I wanted to go I think when I graduated all I wanted to do was be an illustrator I hadn't focused on what I was going to do once I got to that point and now coinciding with me thinking about what I you know addressing my style addressing where I wanted to move into the third thing was in five years time I want to have a small studio I'd never thought that before I'd always been like I just want to be an illustrator it's been so narrow-minded now I've expanded what I want to do and where I want to go it's allowed me to focus on where I want to go next which is um, I think built up that drive in me as well again like I've almost got like a second wind and I'm so excited about where I'm going to head to next and that's essentially where I want to get to yeah okay so just to sort of summarise for, let's say anybody who's just about to graduate or going to be graduating this year, starting off in a career in illustration, what would be your top line tips to them? Hard work. That, that's, uh, it's really, uh, it's a, I guess it's like part and parcel, isn't it? Like are you, you're expecting the answer, but I can't stress how important it is. Um, be the person that will go to those extra lengths to get it done. That's how I've retained like, editorial clients and things by like, oh damn we've got this brief come in um, can you get it done by tomorrow yes I can oh great then a month later oh we've got a really tight brief is anyone that can do it oh Dan did it last time so it's, 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 it's proving to clients art directors anyone that will listen that you are reliable and that you will be able to do it and you will be able to deliver so I think I can't stress enough how 
in such a competitive industry you have to be prepared to work hard I, I work some very long hours and I don't take many holidays and when I'm on holiday I've still got my laptop and when I'm out with friends I've still got my phone checking emails it never stops you have to you have to prepare yourself for that and I think that's anyone that runs their own business will tell you the same so but then aside from hard work I think I may have come across like quite serious in this in this interview because I take my work very seriously but like what I do is stupid like essentially it's stupid it's, it's characters I get so stressed this morning I've been battling with an art director because we can't get the colour right on a crowd scene like and a load of people like just with their hands in the air and I've been back and forth and stressing about that for days it seems crazy but at the, at the essence of everything I would say like just do what you're in, you enjoy like I work very hard at this because I love it I love it there's nothing I would rather be doing and all that stress and hard work and me always checking my emails and switching off I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it so if you're not enjoying it maybe it's not for you not for you but if you do enjoy it throw yourself in like go for it if you want to do if, if there's something you want to do you have to you have to work hard but make sure that you're enjoying it at the same time would be my my kind of best advice for anyone that's looking to, to try and do a freelance creative career okay that's great Dan um, I think I'd better let you go before the New York Times are giving you a call again and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll perhaps we'll go off to Alton Towers. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so that was Dan. I hope you enjoyed the story so far from him. You can find Dan at danwoodger.com and at danwoodger on Twitter and Instagram. And to keep track of everything that Be Purple offers, including our latest workshops, our advice surgeries um, and our ideas competition, go to bepurple.co.uk and sign up for the free email newsletter. Finally, this podcast is a new venture for us at Be Purple, so I'm very happy to hear your feedback and suggestions. Drop me an email. The address is bepurple at brighton.ac.uk. Thanks for listening. See you in a cafe soon for the next episode of Founder Chats. Bye.